Thank you. It's always great to have great worship, isn't it? One summer evening, there was a violent thunderstorm, and this uh, young mother was tucking her uh, little boy into bed, and uh, she was about to turn the light out. The little boy kind of, in a shaky voice, said, "Uh, Mommy, can you sleep with me tonight? And, uh, you know, the mother went over. She gave her young son a hug, and then she said, You know, honey, uh, I'd love to do that, but, you know, Mommy needs to sleep in Daddy's room tonight. And... uh, it was, you know, quiet for several seconds, and finally the little guy speaks up, and he says, big sissy. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that. There's actually probably some truth to that. <laughs> Men are just little boys, right, that have grown up, huh? Amen. I know women would say that, right? <laughs> well, this morning, uh, I uh, would really appreciate your prayer, because uh, I'm probably, in many ways, unfit to, to give this message, it's, it's hard to, to convey the power of what you're going to hear this morning, and so I apologize beforehand if that doesn't happen. I mean, it's, it struck me, and I've been a Christian, a follower of Jesus for 35 years, and if you grab hold of this, it is probably so profound, it definitely is life-changing, but it can set you free in a way you never thought possible. So um, this morning we are going to continue our series in the book of Philippians, and I've entitled the message, What Do You Really Value Most? I want you to think about that. What do you really value most? Lord, I just ask that, as I said, uh, words are going to probably fall short this morning of conveying the power of what Paul's going to try to convey to us in these verses. And so I just ask, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I ask that you would prepare every heart to really be riveted to your word and the power that it can bring. You brought each and every single person here. And I know, Lord, that if we allow it to speak to us, it can be totally life-changing and life-shattering. I ask, Lord, that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head and that truly I would be just speaking your words this morning. And I just thank you now what you're going to do. I just thank you for what you're going to accomplish here in these next several minutes. And I just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I really believe that God created you for something great. That brings up a question, though, what is greatness? And who determines what greatness is? Is hitting 50 home runs in a season, is that great? Is uh, winning five Super Bowls, maybe that's great. Or how about being president of the United States? Is, is that great? Or how about if you're a billionaire? Is that great? I mean, who determines what is greatness? What is greatness? And the Apostle Paul is going to answer that question this morning, but the answer truly may surprise you. And Paul writes this morning in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 1 through 11. And if you have your Bibles, you can look at them, mark them up, or you can just follow along here on the board. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. 
We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, that is, Christians. And as far as righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection of the dead. Paul says that greatness is Jesus Christ. Period. And therefore, if that's really true, if greatness really is Jesus, then there's nothing greater than you can know, do in knowing Jesus and really seeking and pursuing to know him. I didn't say know about him now. I said to really know him, know him in your inner being and pursue him with everything that you have. Because you see, that flies in the face of the world. It certainly does. The world says what is great is achievement, what is great is success, what is great is fame, what is great is power, what is great is money, what is great is how many material possessions that you have. That's what the world says is indeed great. You know, it's interesting, Paul starts out though in, in verse one, you can put that verse back up, Skip, if you want. But he, he says, you know, uh, you know, that we should be rejoicing that we should be rejoicing no matter what, right there in, in verse 1. And that's kind of interesting. And the reason why that's true, if you're really born again, if you are really, you know, a, a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you should have joy. And you say, well, why is that? It's very simple. Because if your goal, and I get this now, if your goal is to really know Jesus, is there any circumstance that can keep you from it? Can your husband... I've heard wives say that it's, my, it's that dirty husband of mine. But when for him, I'd be, I, I could pursue Jesus. It's my wife. It's the kids. It's my job. It's the boss. It's the circumstance. And we make circumstances God. And you see, if your real goal is to know Jesus, then, you know, circumstances can only help you to know him. Because every circumstance that enters me, I say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know your power. I want to know your, your compassion. I want to know the sufficiency of your grace. I want to know you in this circumstance. Nothing can prevent you from that. And we'll end there this morning. But before we get there, you know, Paul lays his finger on a problem that we have. And the problem that we have as human beings is, you know, we, we, we just like to be stroked, don't we? No, no, we, we love to be strong. We love people to say, well, there's Frank Ray. Isn't he just wonderful? And God, don't you think I'm wonderful? 
No, look, look what I've done, God. I mean, and, and, and no, we just love, we, we wouldn't admit that. Of course, we, we feign humility, a false humility, but we really do like to be stroked. We really want to be liked. We want people, you know, to notice us. And, you know, if anybody had bragging rights, by the way, it would have been Paul. Paul said, you know, if anybody could brag, if anyone could have impressed men, if anyone could impress God, it would have been me, Paul. His name, by the way, before he was Paul, was Saul of Tarsus. And he just said, if anyone could have impressed God or, or man, it was me. Back 2,000 years ago, we don't understand. Paul was a superstar of his day. Skip, you can put up those verses again, verses 5 and 6, you know. And, and I'll just kind of summarize those verses for you. But Paul, you know, is, is just saying, hey, you know, you should have seen who I was. I was a Hebrew. I was a Hebrew just through and through. You know, I'm a child of Abraham. I'm in the lineage of Abraham. I'm, I'm named after Israel's first king. You know, his name was Saul, Saul of Tarsus. He said, I was circumcised. I was a Pharisee. In other words, I was probably a member of the Sanhedrin, a member of the 70. I mean, Paul was a big deal. He said, I observed the law meticulously. I was so zealous for God. He said, you know, I persecuted heretics. You know, when Paul went down the street as Saul of Tarsus, they go, whoo, there is Saul of Tarsus, and Paul just ate it up. But you know what Paul found out? God wasn't impressed with him. He found out that God wasn't impressed with him. You see, let me, let me put it to you like this. Does doing good things externally, does that somehow, you know, whitewash your insides? Does that clean your insides? So in other words, if I come to church, if I give some money, if I volunteer here some time. You know, if I do some good things, if I go down to the city rescue mission and help out, does that somehow clean out the dark inside of me, my lust, my envy, my desire really to be noticed, to be praised, to be something? Does it somehow do that? And, you know, the answer obviously is no. In fact, verse 7 is a turning point for the Apostle Paul. Skip, can you put it up? He says this, I once thought all of these things, I once thought of all the things that I was, was, was just valuable, was great, but now I consider them worthless because of Christ, what Christ has done. Do you realize what Paul's talking about here? He's talking about what happened to him, you know, on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. It was an incredible portion of scripture. Here's the Pharisee, the apostle Paul. He's dressed in black. He's got a cohort. He's got papers in hand. He's riding north from Jerusalem to Damascus. He's going to round up Christians. And as he's riding with this cohort of temple guards, suddenly he, he just encounters this incredibly bright light. I mean, it was brighter than the sun. And this light is just coming down upon him. Skip, you can show the picture. And in this light, he experienced just a holiness that just completely undid him. He disintegrated. And for the first time, he sees this light coming on the inside and he sees the darkness of himself. He, he sees his selfishness. He sees his violence. He is, is, he's unmasked. You know, he says he loves God, and he said, I love people. But you know what Paul really loved? Himself. No, it was, he was unmasked for what he really, really was. He really loved himself, and he was completely unmasked. In fact, there on the Damascus road, Paul came to the end of his rope. He saw that he was a fraud. He saw that he was really a fake. And it came to a wonderful point for him because 
when he was completely exposed, he realized, I'm going to quit trying to impress God. I'm going to quit trying to impress people. And Paul in his undoneness, Saul in his undoneness, though he discovered in this incredible holy light a love and a grace that he had never, ever experienced before. In fact, Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 7 through 9. He writes this, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting everything in the past as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith alone. Do you realize this was just an absolutely incredible breakthrough from Paul? You've got to grab, I mean, this is Saul of Tarsus. This is the man. He has this incredible breakthrough. He's, he's type A personality. Anybody identify? I mean, he, 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 this, this guy's got to prove himself. He's got to prove his value. He's got to prove his worth. He wants people to see him and he wants people to think he's great and he wants God to think he's great. And then he just has this incredible experience on the road to Damascus. I mean, his, his illusionary world is shattered completely and totally. And I'm going to ask you this morning, have you come to the point in your life where you're just quit trying to impress people and you're quit trying to impress God? Now I'm asking you, have you really come to the point in your life because you've been so exposed that you're quit trying to impress people and you've quit trying to impress God. You know, the apostle Peter several years earlier experienced kind of what Paul did. We see it in Luke chapter 5. Just want us to see this. Can you put those verses up, Luke chapter 5? One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of the God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. He sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, you know nothing about fishing. <laughs> That's really what he's saying. Are you kidding me? We worked hard all night long. But, now watch this, but if you say so, I'll let that, the nets down again. And this time the nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Now get this, now watch this. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus. He said, oh Lord, just please leave me. He's, he, he's, he's in before perfection. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were so amazed, Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. You see, Peter had the same experience as Paul. Now, can you, he's, he's in the presence of greatness. He's in the presence of holiness. He's in the presence of perfection. And he comes undone. He's a mess. And you know why he's a mess? Because he was a mess. 
and he did the only thing you could do as a mess. He saw greatness and he gave his life over to greatness and he pursued greatness and he followed greatness. You know what really, really, now please hear me. Do you know what just absolutely just is undoing me right now is it really concerns me how few people have come in contact with greatness. No, really come in contact with holiness and perfection. You know, several weeks ago, the Jesus Soda survey was, uh, we were at the beautiful Rotterdam Mall. And, uh, you know, uh, at one point, this older gentleman came up to me. He was probably about 70 years old. And he goes, you know, I'd like to take your, your, your quiz or your survey. Can you tell me what it's about? I said, no problem. I said, essentially, it's just one question. We want your opinion on what is required to get into heaven. I said, the, now, the key word here is required. And then I handed him the sheet. And he looked at the sheet and he goes, you know, uh, my, my, my eyes aren't very good. Can you just give it to me verbally? I said, well, let's try it like this. I said, if you were to die tonight and you were to stand before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say to him? And there was a pause. And then he goes like this. Wanted me to get a little closer. He goes, because I'm a good person and I deserve it. Okay. And and, and then he said, he told me this story. He goes, let me just give you an example. He goes, you know, at the other end of the mall, there's this aquarium. And I guess it's supposed to be a great aquarium. And he said, it costs about $20 a person to go. And there was this young family, husband, wife, two kids. And they realized they didn't have enough money to go through the aquarium. So you know what I did? I paid for them. I paid for them. And, and when I'm, I'm looking, this guy's eyes are getting moist. I mean, he really believes in his, his, his goodness. I mean, he sold on himself. He should have been the fourth member of the Trinity. I mean, it was just unbelievable. So you know what my job is? To rain on his parade. <laughs> See, that's why I get paid the big bucks. And so I said to him, he said, that's an interesting story and that's great. But let me ask you something. Have you ever done just anything wrong at all? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've done things that I'm ashamed of. I've done things, you know, that aren't good. And I said, well, you know, uh, I appreciate, you know, your honesty and whatnot. But what you're really telling me is, is that you're muddy water. You're, you're, you're dirty water. And, you know, he goes, I guess I never thought about that, but I, I, I guess you're right. So what you're telling me then is that you can do a few good things, and I, that's nice what you did at the aquarium, but by doing those nice good things, does that unmuddy the water? Does that make you somehow clean? And you could see he began thinking. He, he had never thought about that. I said, see, the essential problem that you have is you can't make yourself clean. You cannot clean yourself up. It takes someone on the outside to unmuddy you. And I said, Jesus, and I gave him the good news. Jesus is great enough. Jesus is powerful enough. Jesus is perfect enough. He can make you clean. Though your sins be as scarlet, I told him, you can become white as snow. You can become white as snow. You know, far too many people think, you know, if I just go to church, if, if, you know, if I put some money in the plate, if, if I volunteer, 
Somehow that is really going to impress God and and that's going to make me clean. It's going to clean out the lust and the envy and the anger and the bitterness and the pride and the arrogance and the desire really to please me and not God. You know, it was a problem in Paul's day. It's always been a problem. In fact, Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 2 this. He says this. Listen to what he says. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. You see, in Paul's day, these people were called Judaizers. And you know what they were saying? They were saying, Jesus is cool. Jesus is cool. You know, it's nice that he died on the cross, but you still need to obey the law. You still need to be circumcised. You still need to follow the dietary parts of the law. You still need to, you know, you you, you need to participate in the seven great feasts. You need to do this to impress God, to impress people. You need to do this to become clean. And Paul said, no, no, you have it exactly wrong. You have it exactly wrong. In fact, Paul said, I've come on the road to Damascus. He was saying to these mutilators of the flesh, he was saying to these Judaizers, he was saying to these people who think you have to impress God and you have to impress people. He said, you don't get it. You've never been in the presence of holy. You haven't looked on the inside of you. You haven't become acquainted with the darkness, with the, with the envy, with the lust. You don't really love God. You don't even really love people. You love yourself, Paul was saying. You just want to impress people. You just want to impress God. But you don't really love. You don't really love. You do not really love. And that's what God demands. God demands that you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your strength, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with everything you have. And then he said, you can truly love and care about people, about people. You see, Jesus did for us. He did for you. He did for me what we could not do for ourselves. Skip, can you put up that picture? Now that can make you clean. No, no. He can make you clean. He can change you completely and totally. So much so. No, no, so much so. Look what Paul cries out now in Philippians chapter 3 in verses 10 and 11. Watch what he says. I want to know Christ. Oh, and I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection of the dead. Paul said, you know, when you grab hold of what Jesus did, when you, when you really experience the holiness, but yet the love of Jesus. He said, all you want to know is Jesus. It's all that matters. No, no, nothing else matters. In fact, if you can't grab this, grab what the apostle Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3. Watch what he says. But you must not forget one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. 
But the day of the Lord, the day of judgment, will come unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. The very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be, be found to deserve judgment. It will be destroyed. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. Skip, put up the picture. No, let that sink in. One day, that's going to be the entire earth. No, if Peter's telling the truth, and I believe he is, then do you realize any of your titles, any of your degrees, trophies, trophies, jobs, houses, cars, my black knight. (laughs) Gone. No, gone. Melted. And you know the only thing that stands is greatness, true greatness, Jesus. No, no, true greatness, just Jesus stands and anyone, you know, who is connected with him. And that's why Paul said now, I just pursue greatness. No, it makes me, I just pursue Jesus. You know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I met with a young man at prison. And uh, jail, he wasn't doing that well. It's a tough place to find yourself suddenly in jail. I didn't actually know this young man well. And I, so I said to him, you know, I don't know you really. I've seen you in church. But I asked him, are you really born again? Have, have you encountered, hey, have you had a real encounter with holiness, with perfection that's profoundly changed you? And he looked at me, I, he, didn't, he didn't avert his eyes, and he said, yes, I have. I said, well, then I have some good news for you. I have some really, really good news for you. He goes, what's that? He had brought his Bible in. We were in the big visitor's room. And I said, open your Bible up to Philippians chapter 3 and read verses 1 through 11. Now, this room is crowded, and I just said, read it loud and proud. No, so this guy's belting, I'm serious, he's just belting it out. And he finishes And he goes, I've never read that before. I have never read that before. He goes, that's incredible. And I said, do you understand what you're reading? And he goes, yes. He goes, it just says all that matters is Jesus. No, no, he said, I mean, it was me. He goes, all that that matters is Jesus. And I said, you know the beauty of this thing? He goes, what? I said, the beauty of this thing is Paul wrote this while he was in prison. No, I said, that's the beauty of this thing. See, He knows exactly what you're going through right now. And yet he wrote this. He wasn't saying his life was over. He wasn't saying, hey, I can't have a life now. He was saying, I can have more of a life than ever. Because I am going to pursue Jesus even here. And I said, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing can prevent you. Not even prison. Not even any of those men. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from knowing Jesus. No, no. And it was so awesome because his eyes lit up. His eyes lit up. And I I swear this is true. He said to me, you know, I think I have it better than you do. He said this. And I said, why is that? He said, because you have so many distractions out there. You have so so much tints out there to distract you from what really, really matters. Now, that's a guy who gets it. No, that's someone who gets it. Now, let me challenge you. What are you really pursuing, honestly? What do you really believe is great? 
See, if you're, per, per, if you're really pursuing true greatness, if you're really pursuing Jesus, then I'm going to tell you where you're going to end up. You're going to end up experiencing love, a love you never knew, a joy, a peace, a patience, and a kindness, and a goodness, and a gentleness, and a faithfulness, and self-control you never thought you could know. But if you reject him, true greatness, and you pursue pseudo-greatness, you will know anger, you will know frustration, you, 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 you will know envy. You will know greed. You will know strife. It will just fill you and control you and ruin you. So which will it be? Which will it be? I want to play for you now a song that I play over and over that just so ministers to me. Skip, can you play it? Let it speak to you now. If you make that your life's goal to just want to know him. I don't even know where you are this morning. I'm sure some of you are in pain. I'm sure those of you are experiencing doubt. Maybe things haven't gone the way you've hoped. Maybe the way you've dreamed. But you know what? Paul said none of that matters. I can testify that none of that matters if you make the decision to know him and just pursue him. Maybe you're crawling, and that's sometimes I'm just crawling. That's okay. Maybe you're running, and that's awesome. But if you pursue him, you're going to find life, a life you never, ever thought possible. And as we sing this last song, let this last song speak to you. Let it really speak to you. Lord, I know, Holy Spirit, you dealt with me. It's just so cut and clear. It's so cut and dried. There's the tinsel of the world that ends up, you end up with nothing. And then there's Jesus. Greatness. Life. Oh, as we sing this last song, may our hearts be set free to really sing it. And to really repent and just say, I, I just, I, 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 it's all rubbish. I give it up. And I want to step into the light and into the freedom of you, Jesus, and your life that you have. I'm praying this for every single person now. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. That's your prayer. I don't need to worry about you. You're in an awesome place. Maybe you're not in an awesome place and you do want to know more about him and know more. We will have people up here praying with you. It would be privileged to either answer questions or pray with you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord really make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. And I pray that he will plant within your heart a desire to know him more than anything else in this world. God bless you and take care.